0: It's time for the Weekly Sports Dump. And I'm your host, Joe Canale. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've got the week in between the Super Bowl right here. A little bit of a pause in the NFL season, which gives us some time to look back. And so we'll be bringing in the football consigliere right now, Pro Football Max. He's been with us every week here talking about the games ahead. Now we're going to take a look back at uh what's happened this season. Next week we'll look at the Super Bowl and everything and maybe after the Super Bowl we'll kind of look forward to next year. But Max, uh thank you for joining us first of all and and let's share some observations on this season.
1: Yeah, man, it's been a great season, an interesting season, a historic season because every season is historic. But, you know, in taking this week off of not having to prepare to look at games and looking back at some games, I definitely had some big takeaways from the 2022 regular season. Five takeaways, as a matter of fact. Well, let's get into it. What's number one? All right, so my number one takeaway from the 2022 NFL season is that No surprise, surprise. The AFC is significantly better than the NFC by a margin, by a margin, by by a margin. And they're not just better right now. They're, they're really set up better for the future and like the next three to five years, we, we should expect an overwhelming amount of dominance from AFC teams and some, some less than from, from the NFC. And it really starts at the quarterback position. I think going into this season, There were very few people, if you look at those top five lists, there's very few people who had Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen. You know, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo. There are very few people who had them outside of the top five. Right now, they got to be a unanimous top three, no matter what order you put them in. Really hard to see how you're putting anyone above any one of those three guys. But when you look down the list and you say, all right, well, who rounds out that top five? Well, you have Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. You have Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. You have Justin Herbert in you know, they, which one of those guys are you leaving out of the top five? Right. Never mind the fact that you got Tua in Miami. You know, he's coming. And Mac Jones should be better next year. He, he with a better offensive coordinator. And Kenny Pickett went seven and two for Pittsburgh after the bye week, had a had a breakout performance in week 17 against Baltimore. That's just nine guys I mentioned there. All of the AFC. Looking all in the AFC, never mind the fact that you have Deshaun Watson returning for his first full season in two years. You didn't even mention him. Never mind the fact that Russell Wilson is still playing for Denver and just got Sean Payton to come in and coach him back up. True. That is 11 teams that have quarterbacks, and other than Russell Wilson, every one of those other guys has played five or less full seasons in the NFL. Every one of those guys I just mentioned has at least five to ten years of career ahead of them, and other than Lamar, Mar Jackson, it's very unlikely that any of them are going to even be talked about leaving their team in the near future. The the AFC who who fits on that list, you know, that sneaks into that top 10 list from the NFC. Justin Hurts, obviously. Jalen Hurts, obviously. Jalen Hurts, yes. Jalen Hurts, I'm sorry. He sneaks into the top 10. He doesn't sneak in. He plants himself in the top 10, maybe sneaks into the top five. But after that, we need to see a lot more from Justin Fields. We need to see a lot more from Daniel Jones. We need to see something from Jordan Love. Anything.
0: Dak Prescott, I guess, is kind of hovering on the outside.
1: When I look at, you know, Dallas, Minnesota, and the Rams, you have Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, and Matthew Stafford. All guys who have at the best in their career have maybe snuck their way into the top 10. But does anyone, you know, other than Kirk Cousins, who maybe have had the best season of his career, does anyone really feel like, you know, the best years are still ahead of them? Does no. anyone feel like these guys are getting better next year?
0: No, and nobody wants Kirk Cousins, no matter what his numbers are. Like, mm-hmm. he's proven that those numbers are a little bit hollow, I think. Yeah, It's amazing, they- as you're naming this, the dominance. And I, I, I'll, I'll point out, it's likely that Houston... And Indianapolis will get the first two quarterbacks in this draft. I'm not saying that they're going to be superstars, but they have they have the shot at getting you know the next two
1: good guys. Yes. Eleven of the 16 teams in the AFC have their quarterback for the next three to five years, and two more of the five, two teams that are in the AFC could draft their quarterback in the first round this draft. Meanwhile, you look at the NFC. There's only four teams with a quality quarterback that's proven quarter that you can feel comfortable about going into the next two years. Not wow. even three to five years, two years. San Francisco, w- big question mark. Seattle may get Geno, but once again, older. Dallas, yeah. Minnesota, the Rams, all older. The a- There's not even a team in the NFC South right now that has their 2023 quarterback on their <laughs> roster. <laughs> That's true. Every single one of those teams. What a divide. There. there is there is no quarterback there, and we'll talk about them in, in, in a minute, but it's just... The AFC is that much better than the NFC, not just now, but for the next few years. I mean, the top six teams in football really were evident throughout most of the season. They were the last six teams to get there. Um, Like we said, it was Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Kansas City. They were the top teams. Kansas City, it took them a minute to get there, but they finished on a seven-game win streak. It was pretty clear by the end of the season that they were where they belonged at the top. And in the NFC... You had Philadelphia, you had San Francisco, and you had Dallas. But San Francisco, we don't know who's what the quarterback situation is going to be in the future there. And Dallas, I mean, you still had, got Mike McCarthy now calling the plays, which is a step down. Yeah, I just I don't know how I feel about Dallas going into next year. You know, they were my Super Bowl team going into this year, and it was set up very well for them to beat San Francisco. And when they couldn't do that in the, in, they couldn't score 20 points to beat San Francisco tells you there's a problem at the quarterback position. You know,
0: yeah, it, 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 I mean, yeah, continue going. I'm sorry. I lost my point as I was interrupting you. I was going to say something about the NFC in the nineties. That's what the AFC is looking like now.
1: Yeah, no. And you know, it's, You want to say that the NFC East was the best division in football. If if you're an NFC diehard and you want to support the NFC, well, the NFC East was the best division in football this year. All four of those teams finished in the top half. All four of them could have made the playoffs. Yeah, but we're looking at the future here. Like you said, guys with less than five or less full seasons in the NFL, there's 10 of those starters in the AFC and four of them in the NFC. And the 10 in the AFC, you feel pretty good about in the four in the NFC, you feel good about two or three at most. Yeah, you're
0: right. You could take the back end of that top 10, and it would be equivalent to the top end of the top five. Mm -hmm. It reminds me, I know we're going to get to, uh, we'll talk about, uh, I'm teasing John Elway for later on, but I am reminded of how in the 90s, it was Washington, San Francisco, the Giants, and Dallas basically ran that decade. Mm -hmm. And then in the AFC, it was Elway and the bills getting the shit kicked out of them every year it could be like that with philadelphia and maybe one other nfc team while the afc continues Mm. to just send waves of great
1: teams at you when when brady with manning retiring and brady going and roethlisberger behind him there was supposed to be a shift of power from the afc to the nfc but no the afc has just gotten stronger and the nfc continues to not be so much it's um and they just lost brady Yes, and they just lost Brady, but my biggest takeaway of the 2022 season is that the AFC is just that much better. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, You're right, and and it looks to be
0: for a while. Now, things in the NFL change quickly, but the quarterback situation is is kind of the most important, and it is the most stable by far in the AFC. Oh, yeah.
1: All right, point number two, what do we have from this uh, past season? All right, point number two, biggest takeaway, was how some of the better teams in football – missed the playoffs because some of the teams that made the playoffs had really good first halves and terrible second halves. A lot of slugs. Yes, and I think you know the number 1 team that comes to mind when you think about a really good team that may, missed the playoffs was Detroit. The Detroit Lions finished 8 and 2 over their last 10 games and in that 8 and 2 stretch they went 5 and 0 in division games. Wow. How a team how a team misses the playoffs, 5 and 1 to finish. How they missed the playoffs, it speaks to two things. One, it speaks to the incredible start Minnesota got off to. But it also speaks to just how bad it was for Detroit at the start. And I've I've mentioned this on this podcast many a times. To me, the turning point in Detroit's season was when that very nice older lady who is the principal owner of the team showed up at practice and backed the leadership group. You have said that. It was a one win team and it didn't make a lot of headlines and didn't make a lot of waves at the time. They lost the next game, but then they went eight and two. When she showed up on that sideline, everyone was saying, oh, it doesn't work. Dan Campbell doesn't have it. The GM didn't, you know, make the right picks in the draft. When she showed up and says, no, I trust these men. They're not going anywhere. I'm backing my leadership. Her exact words were, I believe in our leadership team that told every player on that team you need to buy in now because no changes are coming we're going down with this ship so you better play for your future all right. and they, Great. Yeah, did.
0: they did they grandma. did grandma gave him a it's it's like when grandma slips you a 50 bill on her way out the door when she visits and oh. everybody is like oh wow they're all just filled with confidence from uh I forget her first name, but Mrs.
1: Ford. I know she's Mrs. A Ford. The Ford. <laughs> Mrs. Ford, whatever your first name is, you did great <laughs> service to your team this season when you showed up at practice and talked to the reporters. I loved it, and I loved the GM and the coach's reaction. Coach seemed kind of annoyed by it. He's like, "I went over our whole roster by player by player. I told her where I think we're good. I told her where we're making improvements. Like that's she said she was fine. That was our meeting. Like he was so <laughs> matter of fact about yeah. it, and I loved it. And Detroit." They are such a favorite next year for the North. Green Bay is not a favorite without Aaron Rodgers. Nobody believes in Minnesota. Justin Fields and Chicago, they got a lot of money and some good draft picks. But Detroit is the favorite in the North at this point. I expect when the odds makers open up for uh, futures favorites, I'm expecting Detroit to have the best odds for the NFC North next year.
0: They got a good pick. They have uh, a good draft
1: uh, pick as well, I believe. Yeah, no, they— they're, they're in good shape. in a lot of they're, they're in such good shape but the one team that bid did beat detroit late in that stretch was the, my favorite the carolina panthers oh yes who, you were on them you thought they I were going to do it i did and when they beat then they lost to pittsburgh in week 15 i thought it was out when they beat detroit in week 16 i thought i was back in and then they lost to tampa bay with three long bombs from brady to evans in in the last great game brady has played maybe ever played and Maybe it was, oh God was gone. And I watched that game way too closely because I had money on Carolina winning the division, <laughs> but Carolina, you know, the six and six finish after they fired their coach and started trading pieces away. I mean, they traded away their best player. They had three quarterbacks in Christian McCaffrey. They traded him away. They, they had three quarterbacks this season, which meant they had no quarterbacks this season. One of those quarterbacks finished on another team. Yeah. I mean, they, what Carolina did this past year, Um, And their defense and their running game was so impressive. And as we talked about, the NFC South has no quarterbacks going into the next season. But I'll tell you, the best coach in that division to coach a quarterback is their new coach, Frank Wright. I absolutely believe Steve Wilkes deserved that job, did everything right, should have got. I, I would have given him a two year deal before the season ended just to say, you know what? You did it. You earned it. You know, this is the right thing to do. But Frank Wright is really that good a coach. He is available. Look what Frank Wright did in Indianapolis year after year with different quarterbacks, winning season after winning season. It doesn't matter who comes into Carolina. Frank Wright is the man to coach them. And this team that finished strong, Tampa won the division, but Tampa didn't finish strong. And who knows what their futures looks like. And they just fired half their coaching staff. Carolina they're
0: on the way down.
1: Carolina is another one. I expect Carolina to have cute best odds. I don't expect anyone to have great odds to win that division in this offseason, but Carolina is in a great position to move forward next year and make it back to the and make it back to the playoffs. Early then, futures on Carolina, everybody. Absolutely. You know, if if you see them put 20 20 to one or worse to win the division, you know, put 10 down. It's gonna be worth it. Like so then on the AFC side, you know, the team that should have made the playoffs that didn't was uh the New England Patriots. And I know that they were two and four after Thanksgiving, but three of those losses came to Buffalo twice and Cincinnati once. They had to play two of the best five teams in football and in three games. And then they had just that disgusting, stupid, unexplainable, excruciating play against Vegas that if they don't <laughs> make that play, if that game goes into overtime and they kick a field goal, they're in the playoffs.
0: That was such a three uh, 180 because that's the way
1: the Raiders lose games. Mm
0: -hmm. That was like, that was like a freaky Friday situation because to have a a Belichick team lose that game that way to the Raiders is absolute opposite day.
1: Yeah. Well, you were, you know, that expression that they have in the world where it says, well, I'll give you just enough rope to hang yourself. Well, that's what, you know, Bill Belichick did with Matt Patricia this year when he let him be in charge of the offense and never criticized him publicly. And he gave him all that rope and all that rope. And the man truly did hang himself. And now they have to bring Bill O'Brien back. Yeah. And so for anyone who thinks poorly of Mac Jones, you know, I'm not a big Mac Jones anything. But Mac Jones was the best rookie quarterback last year when he had a pro offensive coordinator calling plays for him. It wasn't because he had a great offense around him. It was because, you know, he was in a good system and he had a good pro in his ear. You know, he's now, they, you go to Matt Patricia and the the, re, the regression of Mac Jones started in week two and lasted through the end of the season because he had a bad name. It's not great when a quarterback has three voices in his ear in three seasons, but he's got a pro voice now, a guy who knows who coached college and the pros and had success at both levels. I think he, we've proven
0: it's even worse
1: when Matt Patricia is one of those voices. Yeah. I mean, it's the the improvement and what we should expect in New England and New England was actually had a good defense this year they weren't you know when we think about who had a good defense we think of oh dallas had a good defense well dallas was like number 13 against the run well san francisco had a really good defense san francisco was number 20 against the pass all the defenses that were good at one thing were terrible at something else new england actually had a defense that was good at a lot of things they held buffalo and cincinnati a lot better than other teams did in those three games they lost well, that's so, where Belichick still, I think, shows out. Exactly. If they would have had an offense that was halfway competent this year, they would have been in the playoffs, no no doubt about it. So New England should have a big comeback season next year. Now, I don't want to say big, but I expect New England to be a playoff team next year. Right. And I also expect the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I I mentioned it earlier, seven and two after the bye week was pretty incredible and their defense after the nine games after the bye week their defense gave up less than 20 points in eight of those nine games you start a season like that you're a favorite the rest of the way through you finish a season like that and miss the playoffs nobody pays attention but if pittsburgh would have made the playoffs they would have done some damage this year they might have beaten if they would have been in that seventh seed they might have beaten buffalo in that first round that was Pittsburgh they beat him in the
0: first game of the season
1: yeah uh no they beat that was last year. This year they beat Cincinnati in the first game That's of the season. I right. yes. In what was one of the best games of the season. Right. I you know if you look at my Twitter there was a thing of best games of the season. I ranked that the best game of week 1. But Pittsburgh 7-2 Mike Tomlin once again avoids a sub 500 record. How how after the way they started with Mitch Trubisky and they couldn't do anything and they you know it was Pretty amazing. Like New England and Pittsburgh missed out on the playoffs to Miami, who you know lost five of their last six. Yeah. When you know only one at the end because they played the Jets the last week of the season and Joe Flacco, and they only made the playoffs for that reason. Um, and then they lost. And Baltimore, who while Baltimore, you know, their defense got better and better over the second half of the season. Um, They had no quarterback once Lamar Jackson went down. It was really Pittsburgh was better than Baltimore. They proved it week 17. Pittsburgh really should have been in there instead of Baltimore. New England should have been in there instead of Miami. Detroit should have been in there instead of Minnesota. Carolina should have been in there instead of Tampa Bay. Four of the better teams missed the playoffs this season. You know, part of the extended season, if you do really well in the beginning, you can coast a little bit longer. But that was my biggest takeaway. Second biggest takeaway of the season was how – Better teams miss the playoffs. Got it. And
0: now uh, something you mentioned a little bit there, you were talking about some of these quarterbacks who either emerged or their absence was, you know, important to the team not doing well. And that, I think, segues into our next thing, which is quarterbacks in the NFL.
1: We're, we're, we're in a a new generation, if you will. Yeah, that was my third biggest takeaway, you know, was how so many quarterbacks of this new generation really had their national coming out party um, during the 2022 season. I think it started this year with Tua, who in his third year now in the NFL, week two in Baltimore, had that incredible comeback in the fourth quarter that turned everyone's heads. It made everyone know who their coach was, it made everyone know who Tua was, who didn't Pay attention to him in college. All the questions about oh, they're playing for Brady. They don't even want to. They're looking towards next year. Tua closed all of that and was an MVP candidate at times this season. Had it not been for all the games that he missed with concussions.
0: That's the one thing with Tua. I know he did emerge and he had. You know, people in Miami are are happy about him when he's playing and their record when they played was great. With Tua. You got to put an asterisk next to that guy going forward. I just think now, now with Brady out of the picture, a lot of these teams, maybe Raiders, Niners, Dolphins, their potential plan for the change next year is out. But I I just wanted to say that about Tua. And I also wanted to say in in an observation from when we were talking earlier, this is like the second wave of this generations of quarterback Mm -hmm. that is, that has come out this year, which is almost kind of like, the the first ones emerge, and now this is the one washing away the old quarterbacks and making it official. You but, can continue. Sorry,
1: no, exactly. You have third year quarterback in, in Tua, and then second year quarterback Trevor Lawrence on week twelve. You know, ten weeks after Tua does it, has that incredible fourth quarter drive that was against Baltimore once again. That was so heavily analyzed, but everyone talked about this is the maturity, this is the step coming back, pass after pass. I personally looked at that game and thought, oh, my God, I can't believe Baltimore blew another one. But everyone who knows football a lot better than me talked about that being the changing point in Trevor Lawrence. And you look at what they did the rest of the way in the season, won it out. They didn't win out. They still had a few losses, but they won enough to go and take the division. And he got to and then win a playoff playoff game absolutely trevor lawrence this was a breakout season for him he's on everyone's radar moving forward and a third quarterback a rookie quarterback who had a breakout also once again against baltimore to me was kenny pickett as i said kenny pickett poor baltimore oh yeah Three young quarterbacks, you know, who are all in the shadow. You talked about that first generation of new and second generation. Well, all those guys are trying to get to where Lamar Jackson's been. They all want to be MVPs. They all want to be take the league by storm as young whippersnappers and get that big contract by the end by the time their rookie contract ends. Well, Kenny Pickett in week 17 against Baltimore. I mean, he played great the whole seven and two run. Very few interceptions, if any, was so under control with the ball. They weren't overly leaning on the run game. Kenny Pickett was carrying them through drives. And in week 17 in that grudge match where Baltimore is playing for the division, he put Baltimore down in the fourth quarter. That was Kenny Pickett's game. Pickett to Pickens next year. Uh. That's, That's the combination to have in fantasy football. You mentioned it's amazing. you talked
0: about it at the uh a little bit at the top of the afc dominance but all three of these quarterbacks we talked earlier about burrow mahomes and allen the top of the whole league all three of these emerging guys you mentioned are also afc quarterbacks i mean you're it it just hammers home the point that damn it's tough if you're aaron Rodgers and you go to oakland you're an Idiot, not <laughs> Oakland. Not, if you go to Oakland, you're a real <laughs> idiot, a, actually. a dollar no in
1: team. the jar, man. A dollar in the jar,
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and no. it's just becoming more evident with each thing you say wh- where it, the NFL is going.
1: No, well, to, to give the NFC some love, you know, there was a few other breakouts. I mean, if you're not, you, Brock Purdy, he didn't necessarily have a breakout game as much as he had a breakout third of the season. Where he's definitely put himself as a household name. And if he's, whether he's in San Francisco or somewhere else, he's definitely had his breakout this year. I think he's
0: at least. uh, assured himself of a, an NFL career for the next five years. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I think Daniel Jones, you know, there were a lot of questions about him for the last couple of years of his career, three years, but he proved a lot in the late, as the season went um, over the course of the season, proved a lot, did well with his games. And in wildcard weekend, he had the breakout game of his life. Now that hitting into free agency, even if he's not a proven commodity, he's proven that he gets more time. Yeah, I'm a little nervous as a Giants
0: fan about that one, but uh, you're right.
1: Two two more guys to look at was, you know, in week 18, Sam Howell, you know, um, get his name right. I didn't watch a lot of that game, but Dallas was playing for something in that game. They're a playoff team. They're a top three team in the conference. They're a division rival. Howell was given the chance to play. Um, you know, didn't not even earn. They, they told him, Hey, this man deserves a chance. And now there's talk that he might be the week one starter next year if they don't look to go quarterback. If the right quarterback option's not out there for Washington, Howell could be the starter next year. That's, you know, not to he hasn't broken out on the national level, but he should be on people's radars when you're looking into 2023. But my favorite breakout game of the year, my favorite breakout moment came week seven on Monday Night Football when Chicago went to New England. And Justin Fields told everyone who Justin Fields is because I just want to rewind to week six. Week six, there was the Thursday night game where Chicago and Washington played. And like most of the early Thursday night games, it was brutal and painful to watch. We're watching. like Carson Wentz have a terrible time. Painful, painful game. And Kirk Herbstreet is watching there, watching Justin Fields and well, because I'm not college football max, I'm pro football max. I don't watch Kirk Street on college game day or anything. I don't know a lot about Justin Fields coming into this season. And listening to Kirk Street that game, all he kept talking about was how great Justin Fields was in college and how in college he was in an offense that worked to his strengths. And he doesn't understand why the coaching staff in Chicago is trying to make Justin Fields into a quarterback that fits their system trying to win games with this great talent that they have and that was on thursday night football and then they had a 10 day break before or a 10, 12 day break before going to Monday night football to play new England. So going into that story, you're expecting to see the sad, sad bears team. And all the story was going into that was about new England, how Mac Jones looked terrible after a great rookie year and how Bailey Zappi has more command of this offense than Mac Jones does and how they're winning games. And could Bailey Zappi be the next Tom Brady coming in and unseating the starter. And, Mac Jones comes in, plays terrible. Bailey Zappi comes in, yes. and the and his name is being chanted. Justin Fields blows them out of the water. The, the, the theater of that game, the turnovers, the big runs, the huge throws, yeah. the back and forth of where that game started to what the story was to the middle to the end of the game where it was all about Justin Fields. Football does not produce theater like that on such a high level that often. And this was I thought that was my favorite. It wasn't the best football game of the year. No. That was my favorite football game the entire season to watch was the emergence of Justin Fields on Monday night football week seven at New England.
0: Now, because you're not college football, Max, I will just give one point of reference about Herb Street. Uh laying on the compliments to Fields in college. <laughs> Both of them are Ohio State guys. Ohio runners. State guys, yeah. So I just I just you know just for 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 everyone to know that Herb Street and and I will say Fields is, you know, perhaps the most dangerous runner in football. Uh he just and he's got a rifle of an arm. You're right. If they can put an offense around him that fits his skills, then they're in good shape and you're and that was when they seemed to realize that.
1: They, it it was the, during that ten days. I genuinely felt like the coaching staff went back and listened to Kirk Herbstreit's commentary and were like, "We're gonna get killed if yeah. we don't at least try to play our man's talent." And they, Chicago, Chicago. After that, they scored. Uh, what was how many? I have it behind me in that game
0: against. Um, they hit like 30 in a few games in a row after that. I that was
1: exactly what it was. After after losing to Washington 12-7 and Kirk Herbstreet just ripping them apart about why don't you use Justin Fields better. Scored 33 against New England in a win. Then scored 29 against Dallas in a loss. 32 against Miami in a loss. 30 against Detroit in a loss. Yeah. They just... It
0: was, Those should be wins, really. You score they 30 points. should
1: be wins, but it was just... oh, they, It was... That, to me, was the coming out party of coming out. And and I've fought with people on Twitter about it this offseason. People like, that game was nothing special. That game, no. That was the game of the year from a just craziness, theater, theatrical, like you can't write a script like this. Yeah, That was the game. And right now in the NFC,
0: depending on what you think of Daniel Jones, I wouldn't call him exactly young, but I mean, Fields could be the best the best chance the NFC has at a at a young quarterback r- right now who's going to
1: make make a run into that top ten. Oh, I'm so excited for next year for Justin Fields and whatever and all the cap room that Chicago has this year. Let's see what they do for him. Yeah, well, let's see what they do.
0: Is the, is as always the question with the front office of Chicago, as I know from living there for a while. So let's move on to your fourth point, which is kind of the history that we made this season and some of the records
1: that you uh, that you saw that uh, intrigued you. Yeah. No, I mean, history, I think, you know, there were some great history-making moments this year. And I think, you know, what people will look back on 10 years, 20 years from now, what will be the history-making moments of the season? People look at the retirement of Tom Brady, assuming it holds. Yes. And they'll look at the first Super Bowl with two black quarterbacks. Because by 10 years from now, there should be multiple Super Bowls with black quarterbacks. When you look at the top of the league, you're right. This will always be remembered as the first. But to me, the greatest history-making moment there were two of them there's tie for first the first one is week 11 when Cordero Patterson went 103 yards and got his ninth kickoff return for a touchdown breaking the all-time record I thought that was a great great moment in football history it went very unnoticed unappreciated and Cordero Patterson, it was funny, Atlanta had played on Thursday night football the week before and he had done an interview. And I think it was Tony Gonzalez or someone had asked him, he goes, What do you like most? What do you want to do most? Run a run a touchdown in, catch a touchdown, or get a kickoff return. And he kind of humbly goes, Well, honestly, I'd love to get one more kickoff return for a touchdown because then I'd have the record. He's like, he tried to be humble about it and quiet. He's like, but you know, just whatever. And then the next week on Sunday, he did it. And there was a real, just like the joy and the look and the prestige and the honor that he had for that moment. You know, that's when like, you, you want to see it. And Cordero Patterson has been this guy who's been this amazing athlete with a really long career who never found a home. He's been on so many teams that couldn't figure out the right way to use him. They always recognized his athletic talent, but couldn't for a guy to make a career out of, you know, out of being a great athlete without having great individual skill, but then you know, holding such a sensational record, good for Cordero Patterson. It was a real highlight of the season.
0: He's very similar in my mind now, physically different than Devin Hester, the guy Mm -hmm. who held the record for returns before and who still holds the total returns record because he had a field goal miss that he returned for a touchdown. So uh, Devin Hester, again, talking about Chicago, I, I was lucky enough to live in Chicago during that time and watch him. I actually did a couple of appearances on shows with him. One of which Greg Olson got me fired from <laughs> when, when Greg Olson gets fired for Tom Brady coming in, I'm not going to feel sorry for him, but Hester was another guy so talented, but they could not find a position for him. I think if he had the right coordinator, a Sean McVay or somebody who knows how to use that Andy Reed, he would have been more of an offensive weapon as it was, as with Cordell mm-hmm. Patterson, they couldn't deny his skill and they were just like, great, just ki- get kicks, and do what you do. Because yeah. that's that's where it's just like, no plan, just go.
1: Yeah, with Devin Hester, they tried to make him a wide receiver in Chicago. And they tried to put him out there on long bomb routes and to use his speed. And he did catch some touchdowns as a wide receiver. But it never really worked. Well, the, great the bubble thing...
0: screen wasn't quite the thing that it is now. Exactly. That would have been
1: huge for him. Because the great thing about Devin Hester, when you even when you watch it, you can see on those old highlights, he had incredible vision. He had incredible vision for a kickoff to know where the hole was going to open up, and he would start sprinting ahead of that hole opening yep. up, knowing that he could hit it when it opened. It, yes. It's amazing. They Cordero both had Patter-
0: incredible speed. I think uh, Hester a little more shifty, but Patterson Cordero bigger.
1: Patterson can break through. Cordero Patterson finds that hole the same way, but he doesn't need it to be as big because he is as strong and like a locomotive. He's busting through it.
0: Running and, back was his best position in the exactly. uh, on the
1: offense, but him getting that moment and getting it, it was really good. And he always came across like a good guy who never found a great home, who never got great recognition. What what a record for him to hold! The other great historic moment for me this season <laughs> um, comes on the other side of that history coin was was when Indianapolis let the biggest comeback ever in the history of football, Week 15 against the Minnesota Vikings. I um. I've the, since the moment I was I, I'm sitting in the same seat right now that I was sitting in when I heard that Jeff Saturday was hired as coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and I've been bashing that move hard ever since. And when I tell you bashing, like just go look at my Twitter and like search the words IND, the letters IND. <laughs> I mean, I there is no justification. This team got worse and worse and worse every phase of the game. It cannot be denied. Anyone who wants to pretend, who wants to put lipstick on this pig needs to get kicked in the ass and like they need to turn in their fan card. And I just watch Jeff Saturday, you know, I, 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 do you watch Ted Lasso? You do. Yes. I know you do. I know I you do. watch Ted Lasso. Cause I know, you know, people on, Ted I know Lasso. all those folks. Yes. I know. You know them. So in Ted Lasso, Jeff Saturday is a lot like Ted Lasso being hired for a job that he is incredibly unqualified to do. He, there's just no reason to think he'd be good at it, but Ted. And so obviously all the people who think like, why are you doing this? They, they all hate him. The people who have to work work for him, the players we asked to coach are all like, why are you here? You shouldn't be here. Every he's being, but we know Ted Lasso is being hired to sabotage. And Ted Lasso just has this wonderful, happy, go lucky like attitude and so much positivity that you can't get annoyed at him that people, what does he do first? He gets the reporter who says, I expect him to fail, but I'm not going to take joy. Cause I like him. He's a nice guy. Right. Then he gets the, the hard nosed player. Oh, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. He's not good to me, but I'm going to be, but he's a nice guy and he's doing good things for our team. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I, I like but, your impressions. Thank you. I, I do good voices. Actually. That's a, that's like another podcast. Well, well, <laughs> but, we'll work that into next season. But You know, so people like him, even though Ted Lasso is bad, but even though the team gets better around him, because Ted Lasso is still bad at his job, it creates resentment from other people. That's why Nate has resentment in season two. You can see Coach Beard is starting to get annoyed with him as well. Because in the end, if you are not good at what you do and you're just there spouting the words and everything, it doesn't matter. You are the problem. You are the – you are the – the thing that's not working here It's like well if everyone can get better Where can we get the most better Well we can get the most better by getting someone better than you And that's <laughs> the, That to me You know And you know at least Ted Lasso People like him because he's a nice guy And he's positive and everything But Jeff Saturday's arrogance and Yeah well that's the difference you're right Oh the way You know the arrogance of I can lead men And it's like, no, you can't, bro. And then, like, you know, that game against Pittsburgh where they didn't use the timeout, where they were driving. And he's like... I, I thought we had enough time. I didn't think we needed that time. You're clearly wrong. Joe Buck knew you were wrong in the moment. You need to go into the press conference and say, I screwed up. You need to not double down. He went back a couple days later and said he was wrong, but that's because he couldn't defend it anymore. That's like saying that the sky is orange. Yeah. Well, sometimes think- the sky is orange. That's like saying the sky is purple. Like, it's just, you know, I, I think if you were to
0: look for, I mean, there is a lot of different things you could choose to make this point that I'm about to make. But if you wanted to really hammer home the point that billionaires are no smarter and perhaps stupider than the average person, one need look no further than NFL coaching hires. That's, that's, that's my number one piece of evidence. There may be other stuff out there I'm unaware of, but in the world that I know, when you look at a decision like this, which is such an ego decision, by the owner of like, I, I know better than everybody else. And, and, and it, it blows up in their faces most of the time.
1: I mean, I, I agree with you when it comes to coaching ours. I was going to say, as far as the incompetence and stupidity and the no brightness of NFL owners, I thought you were going to say, just go wait in like a strip mall, um, massage parlor, (laughs) underground massage parlor. There's
0: There's some stupidity to that too. In Jupiter, Florida. Yes. You're right. You're a billionaire and you're going to a <laughs> massage. All right. You're There's a lot to, of evidence. And with you're going guys. to a
1: seventy-five dollar rub and tug. Like I think know,
0: what, just... what would be harder is finding evidence of their
1: of their intellect, in fact. Yeah. But just the whole thing is that, and I say his history-wise, you know, like I said, Brady and the first two black quarterbacks, that's going nice. to be seen. But when it comes to numbers and me being a numbers guy the history was Cordero Patterson setting a new record for kickoff returns and the Indianapolis Colts setting a new record for largest comeback allowed. And, to me, those yeah. were the two biggest history moments by the numbers. But if there's one thing this season probably will be remembered for, but we don't really know, it's the DeMar Hamlin situation. You know, we we still don't know the, the fallout and the rollout and the way it's going to be remembered, but a game was literally canceled in the middle. Because yeah. a player was hurt and the other players couldn't continue playing. Yeah. And that's historic. There's no number for it. There's no where does this rank. This is just one of those moments. that you Well, just,
0: forever, there's two teams that have one less game played than everyone. So that question mm-hmm. will, will, will arise throughout and,
1: history. But that, when it comes to the history-making moments, the on the field, the off the field, and the somewhere in between is where DeMar Hamlin ranks. Mm. You know, to me that were the big takeaways of this season were five history making moments and i, I don't want to say too much about tomar hamlin because i really don't know where they're going to go wh- right. what's going to i can't see this i i do see the league doing something where they say even if this exact same situation happens again those teams have to play
0: you think that's, that's
1: going to be the way they come out of this i think they will absolutely be some sort of conversation and say give them an hour give them a day but either way they have to play and I definitely think that's going to be one of the things, one of the negative things that really comes out of this.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. That, that, you know, again, you can't put it past the NFL. No. All right. So, uh so we've done your top 4 and now this last one is kind of I think an overarching thing the of the season what what has it signaled to you in the greater the greater story of the NFL?
1: You know, in, in the greater story in the NFL, the final takeaway is that this new age, this new era, I'm not sure exactly what we're calling it yet, but it has 100% officially begun. And let me just to go back a little bit. I always think of um you know, I what I've always referred to as the modern era of football. To me, it began after the Denver Broncos won back-to-back Super Bowls and John Elway retired. For about 10 to 20 years before that, you had this iconic era of football that's highlighted by Montana and Elway and Aikman and Marino and Steve Young and Jim Brett Kelly yeah. and yeah. Jim Kelly. And there was a real era there and i wouldn't call it i would call it the iconic era because that's when the nfl went from having legends to icons and, and these these living beings who we know we're seeing greatness while we're seeing it and, and i think uh, that me, was
0: the era where football started to overtake baseball as well
1: yeah absolutely and i think that era kind of ended and the next year when when the rams won with kurt warner and then the patriots won with tom brady yes you know that to me is signified the beginning of the modern era of football. Or I'm sorry, Brady would come. Up. That that is the modern, and we've been living in the era of Brady, of Manning, of Breeze, of Rogers, and Roethlisberger, and yeah. the other Manning. Right. We've been living in that era for about 20 years now, and the next era, whether people want to admit it or not, is going to be defined. The beginning of it by Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes, who just finished his sixth season, but his fifth as a starter. And, you know, you look, we we went through the list at the beginning of Mahomes, drafted Mahomes year or later is more than half the league, is half the future. If you actually look at a list of guys who you'd still consider to be a QB one who were drafted ahead of Mahomes. You would there's there's maybe 10 guys on that list. Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Jacoby Brissett. And those guys guys, are
0: on the even I'd say Dak Prescott's the best of them in terms of going forward. And all of them are on the back half, even if they're just
1: starting it. Some of those guys, those 10 guys I just mentioned, they don't have five years of starting left in them. They don't have two. Some of them, some of them don't. So you, when you really look at it, it's a youth league and and it's been this way for a while. You say, oh, well, the new era started five years ago. Well, there's some argument there because look who won the last two Super Bowls. The last Super Bowl was Matthew Stafford. The one before that was Tom Brady, who won the last two MVPs, MVPs. Aaron Rodgers. The best of the modern era, the ha- guys who are still hanging on, they've still been, you know, at the top or near the top and keeping their teams at the top. And there's been a little, you know, where is the new era begin? Well, it's officially begun. The, the, the modern era is over, and the new age, whether it began last year or the year before, it doesn't matter. We are now in it. The it's next happening. Five, the next five years, ten years of football have started now, and there's no going backwards. And I, quite one am looking forward to it because this was not the best year of football. There was a huge gap between the best teams and the worst teams. There were a lot of primetime games that were unwatchable. But I feel very good about football moving forward because of there's so much young talent to watch and look forward to. The, the modern era was great, you know, but the new era, this new age, the future of football, it is now, it is happening, and, you know, let's be happy about it.
0: Uh, yeah, I am. And Tom Brady's gone, so let's be happy about that, too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely.
0: All right. Well, uh, so th- so that was that was the season in review up till the Super Bowl, folks, because next week we're going to bring Max back with our Super Bowl preview, obviously, and then maybe the week after that we'll look at, you know, we'll obviously review the game and stuff and look forward a little bit to next year. But uh, Max, uh, I'll thank you again in the weeks ahead. But thanks for being here and, and giving your observations on the season. We'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good times, as always.
1: All right.